Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Osprey to my Falcon. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm feeling very raptorial. And our very own Eagle. That's right. It's Eric Ronovic. Eric the Eagle, how you doing? I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay. Well, normally at this point, we'd like make some lame jokes, uh, talk a little bit. But guess what? I have prepared such a long segment that I am not sure we have time for it. So are you guys ready? <laughs> we can ready always get, later, sir. get straight into it. Yeah, we can always just make, add BS at the end, but it's let's hard get to... down and dirty. Nathan. Okay. So down once again, uh, we can't watch videos. There's not very many videos. There's no preseason games. There's not lots to go off them. So I have to use tweets from the beat reporters. So once again, I'm going to list off people that I got information from today. You should follow all these people on Twitter. They're all doing a great job. This is uh, Greg Bell at G Bell Seattle, Corbin Smith at Corbin Smith NFL, Joe Fan at Joe underscore fan, Brady Henderson at Brady Henderson, John Boyle at John P. Boyle, Bob Condota at B. Condota, and Ben Arthur at Ben Y. Arthur. Okay. So I have made. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read you guys one to four tweets, depending on like the situation. Then I'm going to tell you a prop bet that I made based on these tweets. <laughs> you guys are going to choose which prop bet you are going to take of these uh, two prop uh, of the two sides of the prop. I'm going to record it here. You guys have one US dollar to put on each prop. The person with the went the most money at the end of this um, is going to get a the amount of money they won in actual cash. Yeah, that's right. I'm putting it on the line. Here we go. So, wow. Yeah, well, cool. thanks. Cool. Donate towards thank, your fantasy thank, winning to the league. And we afford it. Thank you. Thank you, pa- thank you Patreons. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, first one. Got a, gotten many questions about Seahawks remade offensive line so far. Number one, Damian Lewis starting right guard from day one, game one. Not even close to a competition. Two, BJ Finney is a mystery. Three, Brandon Shell, a quicker, more athletic, are right tackle than a Fetty. Four, O-line big issues picking up slash blocking blitzes. Starting offensive line today. This is another tweet. Starting offensive line today. Brown, you potty. Postage at center. Lewis, shell. Then last tweet. Lewis ain't budging from starting as a rookie at right guard from first drill of the practice to now. Hashtag Seahawks. Prop bet. Offensive line ranks in the top 20 for PFF rating for both pass and rush. All right. Yes is plus 150. No, minus 170. All right, Kevin, start us off. All right, so the last time the Seahawks ranked in the top 20 of both of these areas was pretty much never. So I yep. think that would be a amazing level of improvement, and I don't think that we can get there quite this year. I think one of them's going to end up in the low 20s. So even with uh, even laying a little money, I'm taking the, I'm taking the no on this one. That's I think that. there's just too good of a chance something ends up like 21st. I put the juice on the on the no side for a reason or uh, yes side for a reason. I was trying to tempt someone over. Eric, are you going to take the bait? I got to be honest. I really want to take the bait, and the reason the why optimist the sea optimist. I am optimistic, <laughs> but at the same time, if there ever was a time for this line to grow and come together, it would be now. Outside be brave, of, Eric. Outside of Ayupati, we have uh, younger guys coming in. I really like the right side of this line. Uh, ever since Brown has been here, the right side of the line has taken over as the complete crap side. I'm taking the yes. All right, Eric, taking the risk. I, he loves the offensive line for this year. I'm just going to say, for me personally, I would take the yes as well. Uh, I just I think that this offensive line is going to be sneaky better, even if it's just like basically the same offensive line as last year with a much better right guard and a right tackle. That's a Fetty that doesn't get penalties. That's a big improvement. All right. 
if you just said net top 20, I'd have probably taken it. But man, yeah. in both, oh, good yeah. line. That was a good line. I, I think I put I put it pretty good. Right, Pete Carroll joked, we're just going to hammer the rock when asked about hashtag let rest cook. But went on to say, we're going to try to give him every opportunity to kick butt in every opportunity that he gets. Way to say every opportunity twice, Pete. So you're going to have to wait <laughs> and see what that all that means. And then Brian Schottenheimer on hashtag let rest cook. We recognize how lucky, fortunate we are to have Russell Wilson. We all know Russ is an elite player. We want him to impact the game earlier. But how does that look every week? Says it doesn't always just mean bombing the ball down the field. Call this prop Russ Cooks. Over or under 553.5 passing attempts. Just so you know, 553 is his career high. Over plus 100, under minus 120. Eric. Wow, this is rough. Um <laughs> this is this is rough for Russ. Okay, uh the Seahawk optimist, I'm going under. I I don't see in order for for Russ to cap his all-time uh high attempts, you're looking at a a scenario where our running backs all die early and or Pete gets this and Shoddy get this amazing hair just be like, yeah, let Raz cook. I don't see it. I think he's going to pass more. I think the situations, the scenarios will work better for us, but I'm taking the under. Kevin? I am going to smash that over. All right. Wow. So 2017 was the 553 attempts. Um, if we take a look, that was immediately followed by a huge dip. Uh, Schottenheimer's first year, he went all the way back down uh, to 427. And then he shot back up over 500 last season, 516. But that was with a defense that, for large stretches, couldn't get off the field. If we can generate more offensive opportunities, I think that's where the extra attempts come from. So, gentlemen, I'm taking that over. Yeah, it was close for me. I think I would go under, but it's close. That's a re- I think 550 is about where he's going to be. So it's going to be close. And then getting the little extra juice, I think, is a good call, Kevin. Uh, all right, this one. Russell Wilson calls DJ Dallas super professional, one of his favorite rookies, really helped take charge of rookie class, plays with great enthusiasm, has impressed with soft hands as a receiver out of the backfield. Second tweet, we're limited by what we can report during camp, but one thing that stood out today during the open portion was running back DJ Dallas's route running and pass catching. The fourth round pick has a wide receiver background and it showed during the one-on-one drills versus the linebackers. Third tweet, Toughest guy out here so far, by far, running back DJ Dallas. He gets the rookie treatment every time he touches the ball in supposedly non-contact scrimmages, just getting beat on every single time, and he keeps running through it. DJ Dallas, over or under 17 and a half receptions, over plus 200, under minus 220. Uh, It's uh, Kevin's turn to go first. Kevin, what do you think? All right, so 17 and a half attempts. Mm-hmm. And I, I went back and looked at historic running, running, running back catches to kind of get uh, a number there. Um, I think I went a little high, but that's why I gave the juice for over. Uh, I think this will be an interesting year because I think they're going to ride Carson a lot, but uh, I'm going to go. You said 17 targets or 17 receptions, 17 and a half receptions. I'm going to go under. Okay. I, I think I. Uh, even when you look at like um, wide receivers, like Malik Turner only had 15 catches last year. Um, you know, uh, Chris Carson had 
uh, 37. I, I don't think that number is going to go down a lot. And if it does, it's probably going to go to a healthy penny. So I, I think it's going to be more like, I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be like 15, 14, but I don't think it's going to be 17. I, I was kind of comparing to past like Mike Davis slash uh, JD McKissick numbers and kind of tried to find a middle ground there. Uh, Eric, what do you think? Under or over? I got to go under. This is a guy we haven't seen. Look at our receiving core. Look at who, honestly, guys, we may add another receiver. Um, it'd be really cool to say, like, yeah, Dallas is going to be awesome. But uh, it's an unknown, and I have to go under right now. All right. Two tweets here. Jamal Adams just burst through to stop Carson for big loss to loud cheers of the defense. Keeps on making plays. Second tweet. Today's Seahawks practice summed up in one play. Tight coverage made Russell Wilson hold on to the ball, then fire a low throw that DK Metcalf dropped. Bobby Wagner yelled, how much time you got? Sloppy gay for the offense. Drops, trouble lining up, and a strong day for the defense. Defensive DVOA in the top 10. Yes, minus 150. No, plus 130. Last year, they were 18th. Uh, Eric, you're first. Oh, man. This is the tough one. They're all tough. Really good job, Nathan. Um, well, there's still so, there's still a bunch left, so don't give me too much credit yet. <laughs> it could um, leave for the rest of them to suck. Could get bad down the stretch. <laughs> I'm going no. I, I don't. I have a lot of faith in us this year. I have a lot of faith in us every year. I try and uh, tamper that with some realism and uh, the optimism and the realism walk hand in hand in my world. But top 10, that is, without adding that extra pass rusher right now, that is a a, a very clear no. All right, Kevin, do you think they can do it without the pass rusher? Uh, so Seattle hasn't been in the top 10 since 2016 on DVO, defensive DVOA. And I don't know if we've really returned to that level. I think we'll be more in that like 12th range like we were uh, in Frank Clark's last year. So I'm going to I'm going to go with. Oh, but the past defense is so good. You can tell what I would pick by the by the by the line that I made. <laughs> yeah, but because you're laying I'm, money to take the top 10. Yeah, you have to you have to give me stuff to take the top 10. Uh. I'm I'm going to go with no. I think it's going to take a little time for the DBs to gel. Right. And so and I think offenses are going to be good this year. Our back seven is so incredible. There's no way we don't end up in the top 10. You guys are fools. <laughs> All right. Uh, Pete Carroll on LJ Collier. He's quicker. He's explosive. He's in great shape. He's off to a great start. First three pass rushers, veteran left tackle Dwayne Brown mentions as D-lines impressing him in Seahawks camp. Benson Mayoa, Bruce Irvin, Alton Robinson. Total sacks for the team. 32 and a half over minus 130 under plus 110 and i'm just going to tell you guys you don't even need to look this up this they have hit the over on this every year of pete carroll's tenure except last year so they've 32 was the previous low until last year all right uh it looks like it's kevin again to go first right uh so kevin sure (laughs) what do you think over or under 32 i'm going over because I think a big issue last year was we did not have a deep pass rushing crew. And if you go way back to the 2010-2011 days, even when there wasn't an elite pass rusher, when there is a deep pass rushing crew, they were able to assemble a pass rush. So I think it's going to be kind of a return to those days. So I think our numbers are going to be over 32. All right. thirty. So Eric, what do you think? Over 32 and a half or under 32 and a half? I'm going over. I really like what Kevin said about last year. We didn't have the the depth of the pass rush 
that is one thing we have this year. I really want that star. Jadavian Clowney was a star, but Jadavian, he struggled. He provided a lot of pressure, not a lot of sacks. So I'm going over. I still really want to see that extra signing. I don't know who that would be at this point, but uh, yeah, we'll take the over. I um I like that your guys are both so optimistic about this one. This one I had trouble with. They're going to have time to get home, right? The back seven is fantastic, but 32 and a half. Just thinking about the guys currently on the team, that would mean like three guys have to get seven, right? Yep. And I, I just don't, I'm unsure who that is. All right. Uh, next set of tweets here. You ready for this? Pete Carroll on fifth round pick Alton Robinson at rush end. He surprised all of us and that he's bigger than we thought. 15 pounds heavier than at Syracuse. He's stronger than, than he was. He's faster than he was. He's faster than the sleeker guys weighing 250. He's at 277 and he's made a really good impression. He's a power guy. Hashtag Seahawks. Carol backs up what I've been saying since the first days. Rookie fifth round pick Alton Robinson has been eye-opening at rush end, positioning himself for role far greater than usual debuting fifth rounders. Hashtag Seahawks have had a bit of success in round five. Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, etc. Alton Robinson has been the biggest benefactor of Darrell Taylor's injury. He could wind up being the Seahawks' most impactful rookie. So obviously this is Alton Robinson bet, guys. Over, under, four and a half sacks. Over, plus 155, under, minus 175. Eric, what do you think? Man, uh, I can't wait for Kevin to come back with uh, the last Seahawks rookie to do this was Brian Bosworth. (laughs) In this in this age, uh, I got to I'm smashing this under. I just think that is that is wishful thinking. I don't think this is unlikely. I think it is wishful thinking. All right. What what, what do you mean wishful thinking? Like it's just uh, they're hyping him up, but he doesn't really deserve it. Or I think maybe he deserves it, but you're that's putting a lot on this young man. For plus four and a half sacks. Five. Let's call it five sacks. That's, no that, it, that would be over four and a half. Yes. Five. Yes. Let, just, just five, just, five and a half. Six. Going straight. Could be five. six. Could be six. Seven Just seven by itself. Not, not seven. eight. Could not be eight. nine. Not ten. <laughs> you could, you if could he be got fit. 12, that'd be more than double. Yeah, okay. That'd be almost triple. Kevin, what do you think? Um, <laughs> little Ricky Bobby there. Um, okay. So Alden Robinson's the kind of guy where he had an interesting thing. He came back after a really good junior season. So in uh, 2018 at Syracuse, he had 10 sacks and 17 tackles for loss. He was making all kinds of plays in the backfield, and he did not match that his senior year. And there was a lot of speculation about why that could have been the case. And if there was an issue with scheme, if there was an issue with a few other things, he he's the kind of guy who could end up being um, a much better player than what his draft position would indicate. And that wouldn't be very surprising to me. So the issue with that, though, is five sacks is a lot of sacks for a rookie pass rusher. Was it? Did Max Crosby get to five last year? I don't know. Someone got to, I looked it up. Some rookie got to 10 and a half last year. So, I mean. Yeah, I Bosa. No, it wasn't Bosa. It's, it wasn't uh, Bosa? No, it was. No, Bosa, uh, got, Bosa set the record for uh, hurries, though, or uh, uh, pressures. I think for a rookie pass rusher here, I'll look it up. I'm trying to type really quick. I'm trying to type really quietly, but it's like, <laughs> it's not, it's, not working. It's a trade. One can only get oh, quiet. Josh Allen got 10 and a half sacks. Okay. Uh, Nick Bosa got nine. Crosby got 10. Uh, that's, that's all the pat. Those are the top three pass rushers. Crosby got 10. 
Mm-hmm. Forget it. I'm taking five. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Kevin's like, well, if Crosby did it, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna windmill that. Here's the thing. If you look at his junior tape, he's the kind of guy you come out and be really excited about. But then he had a senior year. And that was problematic for him. And it dropped him into a fifth round. And if he was a, you know, if he was, if it was uh, uh, Daryl Taylor that we were saying could get four and a half sacks, could get five sacks, then I don't think people would be batting an eye because of draft position. So I think Alton Robinson is probably in the same uh, region talent wise. And man, I think it was uh, uh, Michael Sean Duggar, I can't, or Duggar, but I can't remember who it was. But uh, somebody, made that comment about uh, Robinson being a guy who jumped out and impressed him and our past history of fifth round picks. So you know what? I'm doubling down, man. He's, he's the new fifth round magic. I'm taking Alton Robinson for, uh, for greater than four and a half sacks. All right. Bruce Irvin's spin moves are crushing the Seahawks offensive lineman in the first pass <laughs> no. rush one-on-one drill of camp. Bruce Irvin says this is a totally different role, a leadership role. Beep. They are calling me OG in the locker room. Says that's what they used to call Red Bryant and other Seahawks vets his first time around with the team. And then finally, I'm happy to have the opportunity of being the guy in the front, Mayoa told reporters Sunday after a Zoom call. I was always the second guy, the rotational guy. Whether I'm better than the guy that's in front of me or not, that was always my role. It feels good to be the guy that's stepping in on the front line. Bruce Irvin or Benson Mayoa? Bruce minus 110, Benson minus 110. Who has more? Hits plus hurries plus sacks. Um, so you, you get you get all of it. You know, you get all of them. Uh, it's Kevin's turn to go first. Kevin, what do you think? Uh, so one of these guys is going to hit double digit sacks, or if not, then they're going to stop at like nine. Okay. And when you said two guys need to get like up or three guys need to get up towards double digits, these are the two I'm locking in. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Mayoa. I think Mayoa is trending up. His uh, pressure numbers. Um, his sack rate, the ratios have been moving in the right direction and pretty consistent despite moving across different teams over the last couple of years. So that gives me a lot of belief that uh, his game is improving and changing schemes isn't going to uh, stop that or hurt it. So I think I think that Betsy is going to be a bit of a breakout guy this year. All right, nice. Eric, what do you think, Irvin or Bruce or Benson? Uh, the killer, the killer bees, <laughs> killer bees. I'm also on track with Benson. This guy's 29 years old. He had a. Uh, if you look at the Seahawks, pass rushers that we kind of go for that are not the stars. It's the guys that we drafted or signed as undrafted free agents, like uh, Benson in this case. Um, a guy who's had some seasoning in the league, and then we get them as they are up and coming. Here he's 29. This is his peak moment to shine. Uh, I have him higher than Irvin. Irvin is getting, uh, I don't think Irvin's bad, but Irvin is definitely in the downslide. So, I almost um, put juice on Bruce. I almost made him like plus ooh. 130. And then at the last second, I was like, you know what? One of these guys is going to love Bruce Irvin. So I'm just going to leave it. At and that guy him. is you. Oh, no. uh, I know. I would have picked Mayo as well. <laughs> I'm going to get a little numbers to back this up. So he's averaged one pressure about every nine and a half pass rush snaps for the last three years across three different teams. Yeah. So that's that's a really yeah. that's a really strong number. Mayo is good. Bruce Irvin was really good last year too, though. So I mean, it's I think that that's a legit a legitimate. They they think about if I would have done just sacks, I think that I I might have got someone to bite on Irvin. I think maybe including everything was a mistake. All right, you ready for the next one? 
Yeah. Carroll earlier called Philip Dorsett the fastest receiver the Seahawks have had in his time here. Philip Dorsett on free agency. Once I knew the Seahawks were interested, it didn't take much. It didn't take much to come on board. They have everything you want. Philip Dorsett over under five and a half touchdowns over plus 185 under minus 205. Eric. This goes along with your thing you were doing last week where you had to really listen to the question because do I have any doubt that Pete means he is the fastest guy in and out of cuts, fastest guy running routes? Maybe so. Uh, as Tom Brady is your quarterback, you probably don't need to be all that fast because Tom Brady's ball can't catch up to you. Now, asking, is he going to have plus five and a half touchdowns? That's not the same as being the fastest guy. I think uh, height, red zone targets, all that goes into touchdowns. I am going to hesitantly take the under on this. I think five touchdowns is his max. Um, and that's that's a great number. I think he can be a great receiver for us. But riding that optimism train on the over is, is too much for me. I'm giving you a lot of juice to go over, though. I know <laughs> that. I, Kevin, I'm Kevin, aware. What do, you, what do you think? So last year, only two receivers went over five. Uh, Tyler and DK two years ago, only one did with Lockett and then three more got exactly five 2017. Only two went over and included Jimmy Graham's. I only catch touchdown seasons Uh, 2016. (laughs) Only the top two touchdown getters got over five. I just think there's a really good chance he gets stuck on five. And for that reason, I am taking the under if you to put it at over under five and I got the push. I'd have taken the over. I actually, originally had, push. I actually originally had four and a half. And then I was like, eh, there's going to take over no matter what number yes. I put on here. So, smashed I, over so, on. so I just like tried to put a ton of juice on, on over to try to get someone to go one more touchdown up. It did not work. I, it's bridge I would too take, far. I'll take over though. Cause you guys have, as you guys know, I'm Philip Dorsett, truther, super fan, number one. And let me just tell you something. Uh, Philip Dorsett is the most perfect fit for this offense. He's fast. He runs good routes and he's, um, we're just going to, I think that like our offense might look a little weird this year. We're like, we throw a lot deep and then we run and it's going to be just like more deep passing attempts, like a, the old Carson Palmer, Arizona thing, you know, <laughs> where we have these guys just running way out there, chucking it deep. And I, I think he's going to be really good in that role. All right. This tweet. <laughs> You're going to love this one, guys. Arizona is making 24 year old two-time pro bowl selection. Buda Baker, the highest paid safety in the in NFL history, giving him four-year, $59 million contract extension, $14.75 million average annual value, sources tell ESPN. Jamal Adams' new contract, over or under $17.5 million annual average value, over plus 100, under minus 120. Eric, you're up. What do you think? Remember when we got Jamal Adams, it was like, we have the chance to reset the safety market. It should be going down. And then Arizona has to do this. Idiot teams with a lot of money always have to overpay. I like Buda Baker. I would not do this. I feel like I, if I take the under here, I'm doing it because that's what I want in my heart. <laughs> so we, <laughs> you're, you're, you're betting your desire, not your, yeah, uh, not your uh, thing. This is stupid. I got to I got to go over just because there's no way Jamal Adams looks at this and goes, uh, you want me to take less money? Um, and we don't know how much he loves the team, so I'm going over, sadly. Well, you want like a little wish casting? Come on, man. 
Kevin's going to do it. it. Kevin's got you covered in the uh, picking the You know, Kevin's way months. better at salary cap stuff. So if he says it, I'm all in. Whatever you say, Kevin. And so the thing is, like, he reset the market at 14.75. He is a pro bowler. That, like, that he was wasn't, right there with Mike Ipotty. Wait, let's stop. Hold up. He did not reset the market. He makes a hundred thousand more dollars per year than Eddie Jackson. Hundred and fifty. That that is not resetting the market. We are still a ways away. The next the next big safety contract resets the market. This was just staying at the same level. I think it's going to end up at like sixteen, maybe sixteen to five. I think I think it's going to be under seventeen and a half. Doing that half in there bought me. I think that it's going to be very close to that number. That's why I, I think 17 and a half is right around where it will be. Just depends on guarantees. If it's a true extension or, or if it's ripping up the last year of the contract, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, if it's ripping up the last year of the contract, it, it could be a little lower, which kind of gives you, me a pause. But the if it's a true extension, I think 17 and a half is really close to what it will be. All right. Last one. Two days before his practice altercation with teammate Chuck Clark, Earl Thomas said he was late to a meeting because <laughs> he had to get his car washed. <laughs> Over. That's, not, that's the that's the only one that I that I got. All right. Earl Thomas plays for an NFL franchise in the he has to appear in the game in week one. Yes, plus three hundred, no minus three fifty. All right, uh, this is Eric first. No, it's Kevin, no, it's but I'll go. First, but it's fine either way. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to say yes. Talent always wins. Talent gets contracts. He's really talented. You know, he'll uh, he'll bring his SUV and his close close relationship with his brother to an NFL team near you. <laughs> to the to the city of brotherly love. The city of brotherly love. That's right. You know, you know, these things happen, Nathan. These things happen. Kevin, you just burned your dollar right there. <laughs> All right, Eric, what do you think? Uh, I just got to go no, only because Dallas has not signed him, and the rumor is that Dallas may not sign him. Uh, and this is, it's all rumor right now, but uh, a week right one now, is every, every piece of information that comes out is just like another team saying, like, no, nah, we're not really interested. No, we're, uh, we're not, we're not into that kind of thing. It's really weird. So let's also, re- because I live in a nightmare world. It will be some team that absolutely can. We cannot have Earl Thomas go to that will free up cap space and get him. So okay, I want to talk. It's going to take a while. I want to talk a little bit more about Earl Thomas, but let's go over really quickly review and make. And uh, if anyone wants to add anything in here, feel free. Uh, offensive line ranks in the top 20 for both passing and rushing. Kevin says no. Eric says yes. Uh, so we had a little disagreement there. Russ Cooks, over or under 553 and a half passing temps. Kevin said over and Eric said under. Both guys took the under for DJ Dallas, 17 and a half receptions. Both guys took no for top 10 defensive DVOA. You guys are foolish for that. Jordan Brooks is the king. Um, total, <laughs> total, total sacks, 32 and a half. Both you guys took over. Alton Robinson, four and a half sacks. Kevin goes big over. Eric goes big under. Uh, Benson Mayoa versus Bruce Irvin. You guys both took Benson. Philip Dorsett, over under five and a half touchdowns. You both took under. Jamal Adams, 17 and a half million. Kevin went under. Eric went over. And Earl Thomas plays in week one on an NFL team. Kevin said yes. Eric said no. Okay, let's talk about Earl Thomas wait, wait. a little bit. Let's back this up a second. Go ahead. I'm going to take that under on top 10 defense. 
Oh, I think we're going to be a top ten defense. You're, you're switching. You're switching yep. to yes because we're you know if I if I said we're going to get within two or three, and because of the secondary, and then I'm saying we're going to get over thirty two sacks, I gotta I gotta put my money where my mouth is. If you're there's, if we're over thirty two sacks and we have the secondary we have, then we're a top ten DVOA defense. Yes, there's no way. Yeah, I was like I was like I was like maybe he's hedging a little bit, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think. I think it's in Eric's. I think your theory about the secondary taking time to gel, it could be true. It could be not. We'll see. We'll see. I feel like we have the right personnel to play what we want. And she, apparently Shaquille Griffin had a really good day today in practice. So I'm just excited about everything that's going on uh, with this secondary. All right, Earl Thomas. So he's had quite the off season. Um, he started off the off season with this uh, almost getting shot by Nina Thomas. And then his, him and his, cause she caught him and his brother uh, having like mm-hmm. a, uh, Separate rooms, apparently. They've made this very clear. Separate rooms, but both uh, cheating on their spouses uh, at, in the same, I guess, ho- double hotel room or something. I don't really. Airb- it was Airbnb, I think, right? Man, now I'm just figuring they just wedged the bed in the doorway so they could claim that. Okay. So <laughs> anyway. Uh, you kept uh, the if, closet. The they just didn't ma- they made sure not to make eye contact. They so, were sleeping so, head to toe. <laughs> so it was okay. They, they didn't make eye contact, so good it's good. Lord. It's all it's all good. Um, then... Uh, <laughs> then then he's so he's had a kind of a tumultuous offseason and then uh now it comes out that this ravens thing has just kind of blown up he uh gets in a fight he puts a video of the broken play on instagram trying to like exonerate himself uh it actually is like way makes it way worse dude he's that's a great ha- apology i'm i'm sorry but here's where you messed up <laughs> he, he uh He's had four instances already this offseason where he's gotten team fines for skipping meetings, leaving meetings early, and missing uh, stuff. He was fined mul- apparently fined multiple times last year, but they didn't say anything because, you know, they're trying to maintain the relationship or whatever. Really tumultuous time for Earl Thomas. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Eric. When do you think it kind of went wrong for Earl Thomas? Did it Was there a, a breaking point here in Seattle, or do you think it's it's been kind of just a sl- – slowly spiraling out of control what, what, what do you think's going on with Earl Thomas right now it's what I always say about athletes so uh, let's let's move to Russell Wilson for 10 seconds we all love Russ he's the best man in the world he's the best person uh, one set at a time one rep at a time one day at a time uh, God first this is a guy last year who threw or two years ago threw the ball two yards past the line of scrimmage and then went to the ref like what's your problem but I didn't do that and it was clear. It was like, Russ, what are you doing? Even the most amazing guy in the world has this athlete hubris. Okay. Earl Thomas is a guy who I've, he, I've he's been one of my favorite players of all time, favorite Seahawks of all time. Whatever this guy does, it will not stain him in my memory. But for years, he, you know, he'll say like almost Ichiro esque things. Like it'll be like, yeah, hey, Earl, uh, what are your, uh, what are your suggestions for practice? And he's like, I play with the fire of a thousand suns. And you're like, Oh, I love Earl. But he also is very confrontational. He's one of those big Seahawk personalities that we had. That Pete Carroll had to manage. It's a guy who, uh, he flipped off the sideline when he got injured. I get why he did it, but this was a guy who probably didn't want to be here it kind of started to slowly roll that boulder down the hill. And now he was with the Baltimore Ravens, arguably easily one of the top three destinations to be in. If you're a player, especially if you're an aging veteran who wants to contribute and get that championship Baltimore 
I can maybe think of maybe one other place you'd want to be. Kansas, Kansas City. City. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for him to throw this away over the course of a season, getting fine last year, acting like a child even now in his 30s, it's just um, it's really frustrating. When did it begin? I think it's been slowly happening his entire career. And right. and that's a shame for him. Kevin, uh, how do you think this impacts like how people are going to to think of uh, Earl Thomas? Is this is this a uh, this put a, a damper on his career in your opinion, or is it still uh, is it still a a great great Hall of Fame career? I think that it's probably a Hall of Fame career regardless. But it, what it's going to do is it's going to make it, you know, the the story of Earl coming up and being a big part of the Legion of Boom and how he was this perfect piece in this defense. And then unless something happens real quick, it's going to be a story of two halves and the second half is going to be the fall of Earl Thomas. And so he, he's got to like he's got to reassemble something here because it's starting to look like and statements are already going with, you know, uh, he relied on Cam to keep him in check. Um, he relied on uh, Pete to kind of cover for him. And when he got out from under that, you know, like you guys already covered, Baltimore's a stable organization, a very stable organization with a very good track record. And falling apart in that circumstance starts to make you look like a player with some big, big problems. And all the baggage from the way he left Seattle starts getting pulled out and put under the microscope even more. And so I think I think his numbers and I think his play level already speaks for itself. And the, you know, the all the all pros and the 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 um the pro the bowls. Pro bowls and stuff. Yeah. yeah you can't take you can't take that uh that away from from him he's always going to be able to like look back at that and go that i am a you know i'm a 100 percent uh he's he's in the hall of fame already he doesn't have to do anything else he was the best at his position for a stretch of multiple seasons yeah it's just it just sucks that this is kind of like gonna be our uh our last if this is it this is our last memory of him that that sucks <laughs> just, yeah just straight up yeah. Um, so yeah, disappointing. I'm just, I'm sad. It makes me sad. How about yeah, that? We all love Earl. I mean, he's meant so much to us and we know what he was capable of as a player. And I don't know. I, I, I hope he goes to Dallas for that redemption story. It'll be one, what he wants. And I don't, I think it'd be hard for him to burn the bridge there. One thing is for me is that I think there's, there is a, like a little bit of revisionist history where like people act like he wasn't a competitive psychopath jerk for his whole career. But this is the guy who like yelled at Cliff Averill for eating sunflower seeds and like blasted Cam Chancellor for week after week after week while Cam or while Cam was holding out. You know, and it's like dude, I I respect Earl Thomas as a football player, but this guy is kind of a competitive psychopath. Like the uh the Michael Jordan like kind of a jerk. He's kind of a jerk, right? He he holds himself to an incredibly high standard and and in turn also holds everyone else to that same ridiculously high standard. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. so it's, um, it's tough for me to, it's tough for me to, to, ju- to justify, you know, to, to, to do that. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's hard. 
I'm in a, I'm in a weird spot with it, with the whole thing. And I, I don't think, like I said, I don't think it makes him not a hall of famer or anything like that. Um, but he is on the Antonio Brown career path right now. And if three weeks from now he's throwing gummy bears at Nina, Nina Thomas, I won't be surprised, you know, because he <sighs> seems to be like really heading towards this unhinged path that I don't like. You find out he uh, farted on some doctors. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what? He'll never get to the AB level. <laughs> he's not that stupid. He's, not, <laughs> he's just not stupid enough. <laughs> hey, he's ju- he still might be a Seahawk. Let's just keep it quiet dude, for now. He is just not stupid enough. I'm sorry. We'll see. Um, I mean, if he burns his feet off, we know. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to get his feet circumcised. He's got his feet uh, circumcised. He's got to fart on some doctors. Oh, he's thought about Kevin's notebook. Okay. And the last thing I want to talk to you guys about is did you guys look at the stat sheet for the for the um for the mock game? Uh I caught the um initial blip where they had the quarterback numbers and receiving yep. numbers. That was most of what I caught. That's really all they released. They said Bobby Wagner got one sack. That's literally the only other thing that that has um that has been released. So you'd missed nothing else other other than that. Yeah, um, all information's on double secret probation. So yeah, the the B, they won't let the beat writers do their job. Um, it, the thing about like for me, like this is not our job, right? So we, if we don't get information, we can just goof around, and uh, I can make like a like a really convoluted segment, like I made just now, and we can we'll have something to do, right? But beat writers, their job is report on the Seahawks, and the Seahawks are telling them, hey, don't report on the Seahawks. It's like. Okay, well, now what do I do, right? <laughs> now what do I do? Uh, but Russell Wilson in two drives through 13 passes. I think that's good evidence of a little bit of let Russ cook, right? Six and a half passes per drive is um, pretty good. That's, good. Uh, that's that's, a, that's a higher passing density than I thought. Uh, Kyle, Fuller, Kyle Fuller had three, or not Kyle. They put Kyle Fuller on the on the sheet, so I keep doing this. Aaron Fuller got three catches, and John Ursua got two catches, and both those guys have been getting a little bit of late camp hype. So uh, Aaron Fuller seems like the kind of guy we're going to try to sneak to the practice squad, right? You guys, you guys, you guys yep. both agree with that? Yeah. Or Ursua. Is Ursua like he's in now, isn't he? Like, doesn't he feel like he's, he's kind of on the team and David Moore might be kind of on his way out. Like those two guys have kind of switched a little bit. Do you guys think that that's true or, or maybe not? It's hard to say. Like David Moore has had his opportunities. I was a little shocked when he was brought back. Um, I, I'm not really sure what to make of Ursua though. I, I would say Ursua has the inside track, but at this rate, I think they're both fodder if we were to get AB. Uh, I think I don't think AB's happening. Like I'll, I don't, I'll be, be dead up on this so either. I don't think. So. Uh, <laughs> I, I honestly think if uh, if Josh Brown happened, I think we'd find a way to uh, Josh Gordon cut, or Josh Gordon. Sorry, Josh Brown is the kicker who beats his wife. Right, <laughs> that's that's not good. Um, no, we don't want to sign. Him I don't either. want him either. We'll talk about uh, kicking in a second. So. Uh, I, I think if we got, uh, Gordon back, I think we'd still find a way to kind of delay that onto the roster. Um, and there, there's a suspension factor that could be a case there too, but I, I think what it comes down to is, does the team feel like Dorsett and Swain can play outside receiver? Yeah. It's, because, it's, really, it's really, can Swain play some X receiver if we need him to? Well, because Dorsett can play some X receiver. He just has a little trouble getting off press man coverage. So it would depend on the defense we're against. That's true. I mean, it, it just depends. And the thing about I was surprised about with Dorsett is he's so fast, right? He ran four two eight at his pro day, four three three on on his uh at the combine. And so he's that's blazing fast. That's the that is the fat like one of the fastest guys the Seahawks have ever had. So 
when I look at that, I'm like, okay, this guy's blazing fast. So I went to next gen stats and looked and he's pretty middle of the pack for how much cushion people give him. So you're right. People do try to knock him off his spot because he's small. That's a way that they try to beat Philip Dorsett, attack Philip Dorsett. Is they don't they don't give him any cushion because I think if you give him a cushion, you're screwed. Yeah, but <laughs> his measurements are almost identical to Tyler Lockett. So if he can learn something about getting off press from Tyler, and he can give us that variability as a potential outside receiver along with Freddie Swain, who does have a little better size. Freddie Swain's about six foot, about two hundred. Then that makes David Moore a lot more expendable because. Um, really the only thing that would lock in David Moore, in my opinion, over Ursula or Swain right now is that he is an outside receiver. And maybe if he showed a little more in the punt return duties. Yeah, I doubt that. That's a tall, I doubt that as well. (laughs) Um, last thing, Kevin, our, our kicker, Jason Myers, automatic one for one field goals, (laughs) two for two point after touchdowns. Autumn Myers is here. He had a baby. Um, one for one on babies too. Yeah. He he was making everything. Baby came right out the uprights straight through. Um, so, so I, I'm all about it. I'm all about, uh, I'm all about Jason, Jason Myers. Uh, keep it up, Jason. You're the best. Uh, you're definitely worth $3 million a year. To be honest, I think the <laughs> lack of crowds may keep, uh, kickers from, uh, having terrible seasons. I think this could be the year of the kicker. No joke. What? Okay. The, I had a theory. Uh, okay. I have a theory about that. There's, I feel like there's some subset of players who are going to be better because they don't play in front of crowds. And it is like quarterbacks and kickers are the obvious choices for that, right? Quarterbacks, he was number one. And, and so like, like what if this year, I don't know, uh, uh, who's the quarterback for Washington? Uh, uh, Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins. What Dwayne Haskins is just freaking awesome this year. Cause there's no, there's no crowd noise or anything. Um, you know, there's going to be who, who? Uh, uh, McVay can just yell at golf from the sidelines and he'll hear it. Oh he can give him reads all the way up through the snap. Ball will already be snapped. McVay will just be screaming from the sideline, <laughs> telling him where to look and who to throw to, just yelling at the top of his lungs. It's, Sometimes it's, we it's, laugh because it's, it's funny perfection. and because it's true. <laughs> it's just a oh my gosh. Goff MVP season incoming. <laughs> Goff is uh, Goff is uh, Goff is a knucklehead. All right. If he wins the MVP, he should have to split the trophy with McVeigh. He should get it on because he's doing McVeigh's doing uh, half of his work on the field anyway. I just can't believe that 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 he has so much trouble doing his pre snap reads that his coach just sits there and does it for him. Team MVP or league MVP McVeigh with prosthetic arm Jared Goff. I mean that's that's really what it is though, right? Right? Like he's he's like he's like basically like, hey, your brain sucks, but your arm's good. So can, can like, you uh, go out, can you go ahead and get in there and do it for me? That's uh, Eric. Who's the guy from Ninja Turtles with the with the brain in the stomach? Krang. Yeah, that's right. He's it's this is like Krang, only. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! That's uh, so um, what you asked for, Nathan. All right, you guys, uh, you guys ready? Uh, to, for, oh, yeah. speak, from, speaking of going off the deep end of stupid by all means get us there yes right, uh, money zone all right thank you for guys all for supporting the cx not, pod, not nest podcast the best way to support us though is head over to patreon.com slash cx nest for as little as a dollar 24 a month get access to the uh fantasy football and betting feed get access to the discord come check it out chat with us we're on there all the time uh chopping it up uh the um they uh, also, if you don't have any money, go to iTunes, give us a review. Thanks to most recent iTunes reviewer, Aaron P and our new Patreons this month, Andy and Emmanuel. Uh, also thank you to the longtime Patreons, Lucas, Timothy, Ryan, James, Brett, Carrie, Tom, Michael, Brandon, Nick, Emmanuel, Jay, Bob, Richard, Kieran, Mike, Flocktimus, Keith, and Michelle. Also Flocktimus, Keith made a uh, mask 
for Seahawks Nest. Uh, I don't know if you could still order one, but if you can, I'd get in the Discord and ask him. Also, final thing. We made two fantasy leagues. They are in the fantasy football channel for Discord. The second one is going to be up by the time I upload this podcast. And uh, you guys know what to do. Uh, here's the deal. If you win the Dynasty Fantasy Football League, you will get a, a piece of Seahawks memorabilia related to first round Seahawks draft pick this year, Jordan Brooks. And then the prize will always be the first round draft pick. The The non-Dynasty League, if you win that, you will get a piece of Seahawks memorabilia related to a Seahawks legend. Uh, I'm going to get, I think I'm thinking I'm going to get like a Cam Chancellor uh, patch autograph card, something like that. So get in there, sign up for the fantasy leagues. Even if you never played before, uh, come play, try to beat us. If you win, you'll get something. And if you're not, then uh, I'll just, uh, I don't think I'll roll the prizes over till next year. I think I'll just keep them if you can't beat me. So (laughs) (laughs) take that, bring it on. Also on the discord, I'm going to be giving away four of the masks that Keith made. So if you're not logged into discord, make sure I'm going to put the giveaway up uh, soon. And then you guys will be able to win a, uh, one of the masks, even if you don't want to buy one. So there you go. Uh, that's it. That's all the advertising I have to do right there. We watched a movie this week that was intentionally bad. Um, we were, I was excited about the name mostly. So I went for it. It's on Amazon prime. So you can watch it. Uh, keen listeners, uh, already figured it out because it's Raptor. Uh, I gave Raptors at the beginning of the podcast. The movie we watched was Velocipaster. Uh, uh, I mentioned, I mentioned it in our group we, chat a couple weeks ago, and uh, then I somehow thought that that was the movie we were supposed to do. And I was like, hey, are we doing Velocipass this week? That's what I thought we were doing. And Kevin was like, I don't remember what we did, but it's short enough. I'll just watch it. <laughs> so, so I was like, all right, sweet. So we watched Velocipaster. It is 70 minutes long, um, but it, we'll talk about this in a second. It shouldn't have been 70 minutes long, or maybe they should have figured out something to do at the end. So... Let's just go, let's start from the beginning. Okay, Velocipastor starts with the pastor. He gives his end of his sermon, gets a few claps. He exits the church. He sees his mother and father. There's some very happy music playing. Yeah, there's, it's really weird, cheesy. His car, their car explodes and they die. Uh, and But instead of the car showing a car explosion, it just says um, VFX car on fire. And uh, that's basically what that sets the tone for the entire movie. Dude, you need to describe the scene, though, because it keeps going back to him, like yeah. screaming and crying. And then and it then flips back to VFX car on car fire. fire. Yeah, and then flips flipping back, back to him and, and flips. <laughs> so it's magic. Yeah. Then so then <laughs> there's this like there's this secondary character. His name is uh, Father Stewart, and he looks like John Bolton. And. <laughs> he he tells Pat Velocipastor that he needs who's not Velocipastor yet, by the way. He needs to go to know. he needs to go to where God <laughs> isn't uh to to test his faith. So he goes to China and in this scene, first of all, he goes to China and the scene of him in China is one and a half minutes of a 70 minute movie, and that's it. We like go to China, he Gets Which like is a mi- clearly just like a park somewhere right. in Pennsylvania or something too. He, he, get, he gets like a magic rock from a lady that gets shot by an arrow, and then uh, and then he leaves China. He's back in America. <laughs> the very next scene, it's just ridiculous. Actually, the dramatic montage where he uh, gets into his really sweet uh, like seventy one Chevelle 
is longer than the entire scene that he's oh, in yeah. China. <laughs> yeah. when, he's dri- when he's driving around and, and it's playing punk music. Yeah. Yeah. He apparently he drives to China. That's, that's another thing that happens. Okay. So then we establish uh, the secondary character, Carol. She is a, a hooker. Okay. It's going to be hard to talk about this movie without swearing from this point forward. So if you are like swearing a verse, I'm sorry. Uh, you turn it off, I guess. Uh, yeah, you're done. <laughs> the, the, cause they swear a lot in this movie. So Carol <laughs> goes up to her pimp who is Frankie mermaids. <laughs> because? And he goes, and he goes, and he's like, he's like, Hey, what's my name? And she's like, Frankie mermaids. And he's like, why do they call me Frankie mermaids? And she like mumbles something. And he's like, I can't hear you. And he goes, she goes, because you're swimming in bitches. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Frankie Mermaids is the uh, secondary character we did not know we needed in uh, 2020. He that the he later gives a confessional in the confessional booth to the Velocipaster, and boy, Frankie Mermaids, man, it's a real piece of shit. He's doing it. He's doing, he's doing a thing. Frankie Mermaids might be my favorite part of this movie, only because he's the only character I felt had any depth. Frankie Mermaids might be my favorite character in any movie. <laughs> so, so it, so he, so Frankie Mermaids comes in and gives the confessional, and then, and then the Velocipaster is like getting angrier and angrier because he's talking about all the bad things he did, and he's, and he talks about how he killed. He ends up being the guy that killed Doug's parents, and then he says like Doug like reaches through with his like half transformed raptor arm and is like, and here's another thing by the way. Let me just make this clear. This raptor is stupid looking. Um, there's yes. an earlier scene where the Velociraptor pastor uh, saves Carol from uh, from a guy who with a gun, and that it looks like someone painted up a cardboard box. Like it's so bad. Wait, what about the scene when he wakes up and they have the uh, the the comedic genius scene of misunderstanding whether they're talking about having had sex or turned into a dinosaur and murdered someone. Yeah. What about the guy, the way that gold. what about the way that the guy he he uh, he murdered keeps trying to shoot him over and over, and <laughs> somehow he he, sh- he shot the Velociraptor like a hundred times and just didn't die. Um, That's Velocipaster is apparently bulletproof. That's oh, the thing. It, to know. And there's a weird thing there too where he's like he wakes up and he's not sure if they're talking about sex or Velocipaster, and he's like, "Well, look, show me the body." And he, she's like, he's like, but I don't have any clothes. Do you have anything I can wear? And she gives him like a, like a skimpy dress. Yeah. Well, and then she apparently is counting the number of steps she took while carrying the Velocipaster. Because as she's walking up to the body, she's like, 429, 430, 431. And, and, then like, he's, like, and then he's like, you just covered it in leaves? And she, she's like, I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> and then he's like, well, and then I like to, and she's like, there's not much demand for a hooker lawyer uh doctor Doctor, yes (laughs) Uh, uh, sins of the flesh no one ever cares as much about the about the lawyer doctor part (laughs) he's so upset about it too (laughs) but i like how frankie mermaids tells him like you might as well just kill me there's someone above me and then and then he just like he's like okay (laughs) he (laughs) slits his throat oh man so stupid so then they uh they go see an exorcist or wait no, first they decide Velocipastor is going to help kill some criminals. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a criminal murder in montage, and, and there's a and there's a scene too where she says, uh, he says, "Okay, I'll do it," and she says, "But I don't know much about God," and he goes, "I don't know much about t- dinosaurs." <laughs> but in all fairness, he doesn't, and I like how in the montage he's reading books about dinosaurs with her, and she's yeah. reading the Bible with him. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's and there's another scene too where he gets confronted by Father Stewart <laughs> about about thing, and he's he's got a book on the desk that's called like dinosaurs, and then he's reading a book called Crime Two. That's because Crime <laughs> One is sitting under the dinosaurs book. Yeah, well, okay, he's, he's on to Crime Two. Anyway, the father confronts him about uh, he needs an exorcism because he's possessed. And then he, uh, they go to this exorcism. There's this weird flashback scene. Dude, the Vietnam flashback is the where, best thing ever. Where Father Stewart, who, by the way, Father Stewart is easily the worst actor in the movie. They're all he's pretty bad. He's also one of the worst characters in the movie. He's like, he's he's, he's a complete jerk and he's racist. And he's and he looks like John Bolton. And uh, okay, so so he he three strikes Father, is out. Father Stewart, uh, he they have this weird Vietnam flashback, and, and he's like. Tell him, name your son. Uh, tell him it was your war buddy Ali who smiled through the whole war like this, and then he, he gets shot immediately. Who smiled and never got Scott shot once, and you're just bracing the whole time for him to get shot. And then, then he goes back to the camp and he's sad about his war buddy Ali, and then his girlfriend shows up for some reason. And another weird thing about this scene too is they didn't like cast a younger actor and just say it was the guy. It's just the guy with a with a blonde wig on, like a yes, old man is. with a blonde wig, and then his girlfriend. Is like an old woman. Like it's an old woman, and they're supposed to be like eighteen year olds in war. I think that's a joke, but it wasn't that funny to me. So the the, I, the blonde wig was funny, but the old woman thing was weird. So then anyway, because they don't show her, it's not like they show her again in the movie. Anyway, they he she's like, I'm in Vietnam. Hello. <laughs> she runs towards him and, and she hits a mine. And then the way they showed her her hitting a mine was just to like pour a bucket of blood on him. Like he had like a bucket of fake blood on him from it. <laughs> Yes, he's just coded, and then the, the two dudes come over and have him flanked, and they're talking, and like, I don't think there's anything we can do for her. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, she looked like she just wanted to start a family. In the woods. <laughs> oh, and the earlier when the boar buddy Ali's like, you should have three kids, five kids, seven kids, 11 kids. He <laughs> just keeps going <laughs> higher and higher. Um, the, the whole thing this movie just doubles down at every turn so so at this point in the movie i'm still really in by the way i'm like thinking this is a funny movie i get what they're doing it's pretty funny um the i the director of the movie said he got the idea of the movie when his phone autocorrected velociraptor to velocipaster that's literally how they came up with the idea for the movie <laughs> so anyway they i'm in then they have like that in the seance like he attacks father stewart and then runs away because he's like embarrassed about turning into a dinosaur. And so he has these weird dinosaur gloves that he wears sometimes that are like really bad. Like once again, he transforms. Once again, every single piece of practical effects in this movie is the dirt worst. They're so bad. This movie um, was shot for the price of a Toyota Tundra. $35,000 uh, for that was the budget. I looked it up, but I don't, I still don't think, I think they could have done better. They, they don't, you can find someone who's like up and coming to do your makeup, right? Like there's Instagram makeup people who would have done a better job than, than what they did. Their makeup work was awful. And I think they decided just to make it bad, just to steer into the joke. Correct. But I don't know if it was a great decision. I think that actually, if you take this movie and you just make the Velociraptor stuff look good, like you make it, make them look more like a Raptor. It's a much better movie. It, it's funnier even because it's like stupid. Because it's, it's this one really good piece of CGI in the middle of everything else being like weirdly bad too. Right. I mean, Maybe keep the box head from the beginning of the movie, but get rid of everything else. Um, so anyway, they they uh, they he runs away and then he meets back up with Carol and they like start they like really fall in love and then there's like a uh, then so then at this point there's like a really weird sex scene and I would say at this point 
the movie really goes downhill. It's already not good. Like I'm already going to give it like a two or worse. But at this point, it really feels like they were 45 minutes into the movie, 50 minutes into the movie, and they wanted to get to 75 minutes, which is how long the movie is. So they so they were like, we need to add runtime. Like let's slow everything down. Because up until this point, everything just happens really fast. We're in China. One minute later, we're not in China, right? So like everything just happens so, so fast. It's so, it's like very rapid, right? And now we're not rapid. We're slowing way down. There's weird flashbacks. Um, this whole like bad guy, uh, these bad guys are going to give cocaine to try to get people into support groups. And then it turns out one of these people is Doug's brother. It's just like, it, yeah, they keep going. Like you said, Kevin, they keep doubling down on the stupid. The Doug's brother thing I thought was kind of funny because it shows that Doug's brother was actually in every flashback scene that was him and his parents, but they just like, apparently everyone just ignored his brother. There were two more jokes. I really that was, liked. That was pretty from, funny to me. from the sex scene on it. I really liked the fight scene with the Raptor suit. <laughs> yes. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. It's I mean, it's just all a, wanted. It, it's a guy. For. It's a guy in like, it's basically like if someone was in that inflatable Tyrannosaurus Rex suit and tried to have a fight <laughs> scene, that's what it looks like. It's that's funny. And then at the end of the movie, when she's, she's like, fine. when when she's completely, everyone's completely fine. But, and they just put, she's fine in the screen. And then they go, she's like, yeah, but you're a man with a billion dollar bounty on your head. <laughs> I don't know why that just made me laugh really hard. Like, no, no you're not. So, 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 um, yeah, I think that's funny. This team tried to get crowdfunded twice, but failed both times. Uh, yeah. So that, I mean, that's my other fact, funny fact about this movie. Uh, it's, it's fun. It's a fun movie. If you think about it too much, it's good. You could watch the, you could watch up to the sex scene and then just stop watching then. And I think you'd pretty much get it. You pretty much got most of what you got out of, could get out of it. All right. I've talked a lot. I recapped everything because I took notes while I watched. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to say about Pastor? I interjected a lot. So, Eric, what do you have? Oh, I, I stayed quiet because you guys were so excited and enjoyed it so much. And I just, I love seeing my friends happy. Uh, so that summarizes things really well, <laughs> because I think the way that you should watch this is with a group of friends and some adult beverages. This is a perfect. Uh, this is a fun like pre-funk and like if if you're looking for some COVID activities on a Friday night, everyone grab some beverages. Uh, you know, uh, go on Discord, load it up, stream it over uh, over Prime, watch it with your friends, and like uh, yeah, leave the microphones on because you could definitely talk over the movie. It doesn't matter. If I had to watch it with you guys the first time, it would have. I guarantee would have been so into this movie. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I can, I can kind of get this, this, I can do the so bad it's good thing by myself. So I'm like, okay with that. Cause I know I can talk to you guys about it and make fun of it. So I'm just like thinking of things I want to say as I'm watching it. Right. Um, but I just really think, uh, I just think that the end of this movie, they just, yeah, like they just tried started like the, during that, during that one scene where it's like, they're, they're just showing everything that happened during the movie already. It's like, dude, this movie's not long enough to justify that. Like, don't, please stop doing that. Like, don't, don't, I don't need a flashback in a, in a 65 minute runtime movie. If you take out the credits, it's just, it was just kind of a ridiculous uh, thing to do. And there's a lot of like um, split screening and stuff in this movie, which I think like, is like a split screen montage. Yeah. Which is like a really interesting editorial choice. That montage, by the way, what a terrible montage. It's amazing. Uh, it's so stupid. Yes. Uh, 
I uh, I just did not know what to do with that. Like, and then they did the sex scene basically the same way they did the montage. <laughs> that montage too. He's like work. He's like working out. It doesn't make any sense. Why is he working out? He could turn into a raptor. But now he's why a buff he, raptor. Yeah. Why does he need to be buff? But then there is a bunch of points in the movie where he fights just as a normal person, and she fights as a normal person too. And I, I would say Carol is a better fighter than Doug, at least when he's not a raptor. Because she she beats up like four dudes at the end. She's I love at the end when they call out the giant guy, and then uh, and then after uh, he gets slashed or she gets slashed across the chest, and Doug's all uh, sad about it. The the uh, the ninjas who were fighting her are like, oh, yeah, they make you sad. Yeah, like they're all, they're all disappointed. <laughs> they they feel really bad about their their henchman life decisions. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, also, just so you know, Brandon Steer, the director, shared a sneak peek of a Velocipaster 2 script saying it's been official, re- it's officially written. He just needs to get the money to make it now. I also think uh, Father Stewart was played by his dad. Yes, I his dad looks like John Bolton then. Yep. His I I thought that the de- that that guy was like like I said, he was easy worst actor in the movie. Um that yeah, all right. Anything else, Kevin? If, nope, I'm good. It? Eric, anything, any thoughts, final thoughts about Velocipaster? Guys, we did it. We got through it. All right. For Eric, for Kevin, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks. I don't know much about dinosaurs. I don't know much about God.